Hello, dear listeners. I'm in the middle of editing the first Through the Wind Door episode of our discussion on chapters 30 through 32 of Steamheart, but it will take a while due to still not having enough personal time to work on the podcast on a regular basis. Therefore, I'm going to have a small highlight reel taken from what would normally go into show outtakes to tide everyone over. As a result, you might be hearing from our significant others in places, adding further entertainment. Enjoy! Although now I'm suddenly seeing that Skype is apparently not using the Yeti. Suddenly you can yeah. hear me a lot better now, can't you? I can hear you a lot better, <laughs> yes. It's a good thing that you were checking your settings, because I hadn't checked mine in a while, assuming that nothing was going to go wrong. So. And it's been a heat wave all day, so my head is scrambled. I don't know what my uh, narration shall be like in this episode, but it will be a thing. It will be a thing <laughs> of entertainment, insight, Delirium, take your poison, take your pick. It's all of the above. It's none of them all at once. It's uh, hilarious that you bring up Delirium, because I just finished watching The Sandman Show over the weekend. Yeah, I we just uh, finished watching the first episode this morning, and I really enjoyed it, because I've read... Not a lot of Sandman, basically enough of the books to cover what I expect they are covering in this first batch of 10 episodes, but I really liked what I saw, and I'm excited to see more of it. Well, then I won't say too much more, especially since we're trying to uh, scoot right on into the meat of our, our topic today, but as someone that is fairly familiar with the story, this iteration of it surpasses the original that's encouraging to hear was neil gaiman involved in this at all oh, like, yes. did he do a... okay well because i was going to say like it would be very easy for him to take a pass and like maybe refine and improve a couple of things that like looking back he might have done differently near as everything as i can tell this wasn't written in stone but i suspect that he held the reins a little too loosely with the american gods tv show is that right? Yeah. yeah, exactly, because of all of the problems that that particular show had. And because of the circumstances of the Good Omen show being, quote-unquote, Terry Pratchett's last request, he mm. threw himself way too much into that show, probably more than is healthy. Based on what I read in some articles along the way, apparently, in addition to his participation in this first season, hopefully, of The Sandman. And yes, at time of editing, we are guaranteed a season two. He'd been protecting The Sandman from bad adaptations for a oh, very, very long time. We could have had a really bad adaptation of The Sandman like half a dozen times over at this point. No, what I've seen so far has been good. I am excited to see more. For context, this is further discussion on The Sandman Show. No spoilers. It's already working from a standpoint of having a strong story that it's just telling in a new medium, but it is definitely adding things to it that would only be possible both from a modern storytelling perspective, but also both the creator and the people that are helping to realize the TV show 
are adding to it to mm-hmm. give it a context and a presentation that is superior to the original, which you may recall was done back in the 90s. Back in the 90s. And mm. was therefore both a reflection of its time, but mm-hmm. also very potentially based on Neil's not just personal experience, but also growing up in a world that was very informed by, say, the role of Maggie Thatcher and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see more of it because <laughs> it definitely has that. And as a smaller side, I think one thing that I actually quite approve of, of a choice in the adaptation, is that they actually have done a decent job with, I don't know the main actor's name who plays uh, Dream. Um, Tom Sturridge. Tom Sturridge. Because... Mm. In promotional material, he sort of looked like slightly off Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. like in his appearance. But like as soon as I watched stuff of it, I was like, okay, no, he's got a real good like presence to this. He's doing a good job with it. And I actually quite like that the show doesn't chase the sort of physical appearance of Dream from the books with too much further the perpetually white pale skin and like his sort of eyes and brow constantly being cast in shadow with the little sort of pinprick starlight eyes and like starlit eyes. I actually think that it's good that they don't have to constantly work with that as a thing that's like a distraction from the performance, whether through an excessive amount of hair and makeup or through CG or, or like basically just being applied all the time. I think that it's really cool that we actually get to emphasize the performance more so that you know that like the actual important part, the like getting the energy of an entity like this is there and they've got that down pat. They do nevertheless, like I've seen one or two shots where they do a really good way of evoking that look whether it's just like you catch him from a certain glance, like a certain way that the light hits. You know, I sort of said to Sarah, it's like, there, right there, that's like what I always think of him looking like. So I think they actually get to play the best of both worlds. You spilled some stuff? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Well, I have many things that I could say in response to that, but mm-hmm. I think I'm going to save it for a future full discussion of this. Yeah. Uh, because there is definitely, both in terms of Tom Sturridge's acting, but also mm-hmm. in terms of the change in medium and what that means for how individual characters and worlds are presented. There's a lot mm-hmm. of meat that can be gotten into as a result of that, but that that really should be saved for a dedicated yeah. conversation. I'm looking forward to it, because like there was an episode of justice league recently that i was watching as part of the project Mm -hmm. where like it's one of the best storylines of the second season where i was sort of like "Hmm, the villain is quite sort of off-putting and scary like and the name where do i know that from and then i remembered from the recesses of my mind like oh god book one of sandman i remember he was Mm -hmm. that guy ah yes in the first episode i've seen that Yes, they are planting the seed for 
John D. You you will be fairly intrigued as to mm-hmm. how they handle John D in I... a Sandman world that can't actually reference things like John Jones and yes. such like. Yeah, I'm really curious to see that because like I know that like in certain interviews and stuff that like as he went on Neil Gaiman actually got a bit more like confident with the material that he felt like he didn't actually have to like work in DC characters and he just kind of let it be its own thing more so I get the feeling that he's probably going to sort of bake that in like sooner like he's Mm -hmm. actually going to be like no let's like go for it even though they have like the graphic at the end that shows DC has still got its name on the box so like yeah and honestly, that that makes me frustrated on a different level because you know about all of the bullshit that's going on with Warner Brothers Discovery right now. Absolutely, and it I makes do. me so afraid. Girl and all that, yeah. yeah. It makes me so afraid that we're not going to get to see the arc of Morpheus' story realized into the world. I mean, regardless mm. of what Netflix decides, since it is being released on God, Netflix. Like, Netflix is, like, such a sort of, like, slippery slope. Like, at least this isn't an animated show, because they do not treat their animated shows well. They basically yeah. are like, make everything you need to quickly, post it all within the space of a year and a half, that's all you're getting. Pacing be damned, you'll make everything now, but, you know... One hopes that having Neil Gaiman on board and the positive reception to it is enough to stand the test of time, but we shall see. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, on that note, it, it, I yeah, think... there is so much more that I want to say about it, but I can't mm. talk about it until you actually finish watching it. Honestly, yeah. a good portion of this conversation is likely to be cut out of the recording oh. proper and put <laughs> into outtakes. Anyway. Just imagine Rao and Miguel just hanging around. Oh shit, he's coming back. I know what you were doing, sir. What, what was I doing? I mean, I could already tell that you were recording something into your microphone while I was in the bathroom. But I heard music playing when I was finishing up. <laughs> All in your imagination. Are we turning this into uh, lo-fi beats to study <laughs> by or something like that? <laughs> I assure you, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I'll find out what you're up to soon enough. I don't know if you have this experience re-listening to our conversations, because very often, if, like, whether it's you and I talking here or if I'm guesting on School of Movies, I'll hear someone talk, and as I'm listening, I'll think, oh, you know what, like, that makes me think of is X, Y, Z. And then 10 seconds later, I hear myself say X, Y, Z. Because (laughs) input 
output. <laughs> oh yeah, there has been more than one occasion where I'm listening to it for editing purposes and suddenly mm -hmm. thinking to myself, yeah, I, I need to start writing a little editorial insert here because I just thought of something new that I might not have covered and then suddenly realizing, oh, I just should have waited because I covered it or you covered it and <laughs> maybe that conversational tangent is far better than anything that I could come up with. Mm. Or at the mm. very least, it's more organic because mm. I do sometimes go back and clean something up and try to narrate out a more concise discussion of whatever topic that we were discussing in that rambling way that we do sometimes. But I also feel bad whenever I edit out anything that I specifically didn't come up with. And so therefore, whenever possible, I prefer to leave the original conversation in, if only because this is a collaboration. And if it were just me trying to do this by myself, it would never be anything nearly as good. Well, you know what I think? My response to that, Greg, is at this point, I thought in response to Toby that I should say this. <laughs> me mimicking your editing voice there. <laughs> Okay, now see now you're just ribbing me, and that's <laughs> that's entirely appropriate. <laughs> I can take uh, I can take being gently prodded due to oh, my. Oh no, it's my uh, turn next, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to address your response regarding uh, guns being inherently frightening, create. Regarding your thoughts on guns being inherently frightening. Holy fuck. Okay. Give it. <laughs> See, I literally just had a moment like that recently where I was screwing up during editorial insert. So now we've got two of these things. <laughs> that reminds me, though, because you showed... <laughs> What a great comment we just had. That was surely recorded. <laughs> you know, I was literally just doing an editing bit on the stuff that we already did two weeks ago mm -hmm. about the meta-commentary during a specific part of Steamheart and our our dissection of it and mm -hmm. was like editing ad adding in some editorial bits and I was like well we could go on to talk about this but now I'm completely going up my own ass here so and, and now you're bringing now you're bringing meta commentary into the fact that I didn't hit the record button fast enough we have to break any and all barriers between ourselves, the means of production, and the product that we produce. It is <laughs> our God-given right as podcasters with too much time on their hands slash people who I don't know. It's early in the it's early in the recording session. This is the warm up, as it always is. But it you is a delight. Enough, you haven't had enough caffeine yet. Hmm. Um, getting back into the discussion, I do want to rewind. Bleh. I do want to rewind. Bleh. I don't know why I'm stopping myself. This part of it isn't going to be recorded, or maybe it is now. Maybe now it's now a comedy bit. <laughs> Greg, everything <laughs> is material, mm -hmm. and nothing is material. Mm -hmm. I want to go back and play Persona Five, but my PS4 is dead. 
I, I keep meaning to play it because uh, the version I've got is uh, Persona 5 Royal, which is mm-hmm. the definitive edition. Mm-hmm. It does have, like, honestly, a lot of quality of life things, which means that, as was the case for me, if you've never played it before, I recommend that version. It's yeah. just the smoother experience. It has a thing to it, which means that the game has a kind of momentum killer right at the end. Mm. And also after the end. And by that, I mean, I don't think this is really much of a spoiler. I don't. No, well, okay. I, 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 I've, I've played most of Persona 5 Royal. And mm-hmm. I know about the added content of Royal sure. involving yeah. the, um, the therapist. So yeah. I know that I know that the game as a result of Royal, the game comes to a natural end where the original game ended. And then mm. some of the added content comes back to haunt the cast as there's suddenly a new threat to deal with in the form of the therapist. So, sure, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's a thing which, like, it's cool because it tells a story with a couple of added characters who have mm. some neat stuff going on. Like everything with the Persona games, the exact way they approach mental health and discussion mm, is mm, sort mm. of... They, they take a little bit too many liberties with it, perhaps. Sure. And it's a, like, a little bit too fantastical and and not enough realism. And, and I won't get into the specifics of what is going on with the epilogue section, but it does have a feeling of like, okay, well, I really enjoyed what we were doing for like the added materials for so much of this, but it feels like the destination we're coming to with it mm. might complicate all the good work you were doing, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Like, the idea that they go, okay, you know what? There's a lot of messed up stuff that's happening at like Shuichin Academy. Why don't we introduce a character who's a therapist for like our characters to like talk some of it through? And that means you actually get a bit more insight into every single one of the party members, including the ones that didn't get as much time just by virtue of how far through the game they come in. Mm. And that's all really good. The problem is, like, you get to, like, basically the end of the game, you fight the original final boss, and basically what it comes down to is once you've shot God in the face, it's very difficult to make anything that happens afterwards feel necessary because it's like, I shot God in the face. What are we doing here? (laughs) Can I, like, I feel like, is there any way we can have the credits, like, not roll after that and it feel natural because it's like I I know I'm harping on the same point but like shooting God in the face with a gun is like the best sort of encapsulation of what the JRPG conclusion is it's weird to like be like and now we're not done it's like are we sure? <laughs> I could get onto a meta commentary of that like I don't necessarily know enough about the JRPG concept to begin with and mm-hmm. I haven't played that portion of Royal. I only know bits about it because my roommate actually finished it and I saw pieces of that playthrough and everything like that. But, mm-hmm. like, from an... I don't know if Oedipal standpoint is the way to put it necessarily, but if the whole idea is that you're getting rid of the old god who mm-hmm. no longer serves the people in the way that they need, that they, that, that they are a corrupt paradigm that needs to be replaced, then the idea of replacing that paradigm with 
a more complicated version of the world that the kids themselves wanted to have. I forget mm. the new character's name, but I, I, as I understand it, he's trying to provide what he thinks is the paradise that they and everybody else needs. But that's also taking choice away from everybody. And yes, so therefore, um, the flip side of that conversation should also be addressed. Yeah, I I do think there is something to the idea of like, so many, like, the reason I s sort of associate this with the JRPG genre is that it's such a recurring end point that the final boss is God or the Pope mm. or something something like that, where the idea <laughs> kill the, is... Kill the Pope! Yeah, there's nothing really quite as, like, JRPG slash punk than walking up to the Pope, kicking his shit in with a group of people all wearing zippers and belts, and then he summons, like, his tag teammate, God, and is like, nah, you little fools, this is, like, you can't... Well, basically, it's this, that if JRPGs are sort of catering to an adolescent impulse or fantasy... The idea is you're trying to kick against established paradigms mm. and systems. And what is the thing that, as you say, represents the old system more than just this is a deity that calls itself God? You are there to thoroughly and politely tell it that no, it ain't. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think there's something to be said for asking the question of like, but what comes next once mm -hmm. you've upended that you've given yourself the ability to have like a bit more say of what your life is like and now you have a choice between two outcomes it uh, there is something to that i think the difficulty is in making that feel like an emotional destination because mm. like if you present everything with a lot of climactic catharsis then saying you're not done yet feels difficult to sort of get your head around or get invested in it. You think that the end game content could have been, could have been blended better into everything else? Possibly. I, I don't know, because the storyline does kind of require the final boss to be done. It's this weird thing where it almost would work better if it allowed you to roll the credits as it did in the original game. I haven't seen mm. like how the original game ends or anything, or how Royal ends, so I can't say whether it works like the same but just to have a post game like it's literally a post game thing i mm -hmm. think that that allows you to sit it down and say oh yeah we really did it and then for there to be something like oh oh i guess there's more you know in the same way that hades will have you roll credits at a point where you've achieved the most important thing that there is to achieve in the game mm -hmm. but there's still some other things that are left to be done in order to set things like truly right moving forward. I played Hades for like longer than many other games where like I rolled credits about a year and a half ago or two years ago and I'm still like I'm still playing it on and off here and there because I like coming back to the world and I like putting it in a slightly better state each time I come back to it. Mm, mm. Did you ever play the Spider-Man PS4 game? Yeah, I did, yeah. Some of the DLC content is directly a spin-off of the climactic events of the original game. But mm. it like, you know, it sets it like this is like a couple months later or something like that. And it sure. continues some of the stuff that 
was in the original game, but is distinctly mm. its own thing rather than, ah, you're not actually done with the dramatic oh, arc. Precisely. They're ep episodes. They're like, you know, in-between specials or things mm. like that. I did play through that, the DLC to the original uh, PS4 Spider-Man game relatively recently. I think this would have been like five months ago. They're fun. And I think that the original PS4 game is still really tricky. There's a sort of difficult to extricate feeling of cop hero worship in that. Mm, so yeah. that's difficult to reconcile. And in one way, the like direction they take with a significant character in one of those episodes could be them in some ways acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. I think that it's also to the cost of a character who felt genuinely well-rounded and it feels like it spits in the face of everything that a prominent character like had been set up as in the main game. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this like I'm I'm not really liking the fact that this major ally, the place we end with them, is now there like a threat that we're going to be dealing with in the future. That felt a little bit like not sure I mean, we needed to do this. If we look at it as interstitial material between the first Spider-Man game and the new one that Insomniac is making, mm. then it may very well be that we're going to see the new version of that character showing up in that game in addition to mm. everything else. Yeah. Uh, also, as you already know, because you've played it, Insomnia is sort of already kind of aware of the whole cop issue thing with how oh, yeah. it dealt with Miles Morales in mm. the spin-off game. So I, yeah. I think that when by the time we see Spider-Man 2 with uh like now with two Spider-Mans, uh it we are I think going to see them dial back on that. They they've already shown that and I think they can make it work and you don't have to actually feature the cops like prominently like as a support network at all. I think I mean, you can thinking, do that. Honestly, thinking about it, considering Again, we're talking about this while trying not to spoil it for those that have not played the game. But considering how that DLC ends, mm. it might almost make sense from a certain certain standpoint that he's no longer associated with the cops. Yeah, I think that would probably make sense. I'm looking forward to it, especially because we get the uh, the name of the actor from Candyman. Uh, oh, uh, um, Tony Todd. Tony Todd, yes. He is voicing Venom and I really yes he is oh my goodness and oh, now boy. you're excited to have <laughs> venom in it aren't you well okay so i've 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 been reading comics for a very long time yeah. i owned the original amazing spider-man 300 where venom was introduced as a character mm -hmm. i don't enjoy venom as much as other people do i mean oh, he, he's he, absolutely my flavor of edge i love it <laughs> like, <laughs> i mean the thing is is that he became the the 90s poster boy for we're gonna turn him into a hero because he's a lethal protector and guess which kid of the 90s ate that shit up <laughs> <laughs> but yeah when you get right down to it i don't know I'll be interested in seeing where they take it. I just love Tony Todd as an actor because mm. you, you know him best as being from Candyman. Have you seen was... the Near the Costa one? Oh, oh yes. No, I oh, watched that so one. good. That mm. was an incredible, like, I don't necessarily know that I have more to say about it than 
Alex and Sharon and everybody did in their show. Mm -hmm. But even though I don't know if I'm ever going to see the original movie, I'm definitely glad that I saw the Nia DaCosta movie. I think that was excellently done. I'm glad mm. that they brought Tony Tony Todd back for that little cameo uh, mm. towards the end. But I've also I also know Tony Todd from so many other roles that he's okay. Done years. Like actually educate me because I would like to know what else he's done. And uh, like to be honest, like Candyman is enough for me to be like, oh, you've got him as Venom. Fantastic, mm. yeah. So he's he's done so much stuff, like, in addition to, like, many people might be more aware of him as having done stuff with a lot of horror franchises and stuff like that. The place that I know him best from, and he's done plenty of things apart from that, is that he played Worf's brother Kern on Star Trek oh. Next Generation. Okay. So I didn't necessarily know who it was because he's behind all that Klingon makeup and everything. Mm. But in a very specific episode of Star Trek DS9, he plays the much older version of Captain Sisko's son uh-huh. in, a, in a alternate history future narrative where he talks about, quote unquote, the death of his father during an accident, how he became a writer, and then how he realized that he could save his father and undo this terrible accident, returning the stream of time to the way it was before. That does sounds this, great. I'm sad this, that that probably means he's only in one episode. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yes. Well, aside from the other character, and I think he might have played other characters as well, again, behind heavy makeup and everything like that, but that's just a sign of how compelling Todd can can work this shit you know i have a great amount of respect for his abilities Mm. i'm just hoping that at some point we see venom just say be my (laughs) victim (laughs) i mean that's not it would not be as a character yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) so the, actually, the real question is, do we think that he's going to do the turd in the wind speech? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll make maybe they'll make a reference to it. I, I, I feel complicated. Could he make it work? Could he make it work? <laughs> Probably. I mean, not. it's it's not necessary. I don't know how to feel about that. Like it's a ridiculous line, but the, but there's a certain amount of appreciable camp that goes with mm, it, perhaps. For I don't know. Sure. Yeah, it's it's kind of a turdy, crystallized encapsulation of the unintentional appeal of that first film, isn't it? It's just the sort of like, in spite of or because of itself, there's something that charms some people. (laughs) But on top of everything else, if I don't know if this was any good, because Mm -hmm. I haven't I didn't get that far in the show. But mm. the other th- the other recent thing that I know him well for having done is he's the voice of Zoom from the oh, Flash really? TV show. Yes. Oh, yes. I the bits I saw of that do scan. Yes. Mm-hmm. I always forget his uh, how his surname is pronounced, but like Scott Freesh or something like that, who mm-hmm. worked on Team Four Star and Dragon Ball. Z abridged and everything like that, but he occasionally the does. The name sounds familiar. I'm not. Yeah, I don't he. Know though. He does uh, very 
finely crafted edits of uh, a lot of the animated material and also occasionally supplies his own talents as a voice actor slash like uh, requisitions other talented voice actors to just create some finely tuned stuff i will after the show send you a link to my favorite uh short video he does which is just Skeletor and uh, He-Man as a married couple um, <laughs> where he says like now listen here you boobs it has come to my attention that many of you ship me with He-Man now let me make it clear I do not love He-Man I do not even like He-Man and I certainly do not imagine ourselves rubbing our bodies together like meat to a grinder <laughs> I apologize for how that will pick up on the microphone recording, but uh, I'm, I, I had thought, fun with it. I thought it was lovely. So, <laughs> um, okay. I will find the name so that I can include it in the editorial, and I'll even record it when I'm recording lines uh, of this for you, Greg. But there's this artist who is a programmer, who developed a mod slash sort of original game essentially which was a ps1 slash psx style demake of bloodborne i heard and, about that yeah yes and uh, she's great she's this uh very stylish uh trans developer slash uh, programmer and she actually had a commission she was opening commissions earlier today to develop sort of low fidelity sort of 3D models of uh, people. And I was tempted, so tempted to be thinking, ooh, which new century character would I totally want to see <laughs> a sort of Resident Evil style, like PS1 like <laughs> model of that. If I were to do one character mm. that would be either a full rendering in like glorious ps4 ps5 graphics for a fight scene or even just like a more old school street fighter it would mm -hmm. be crow in her armor with miguel perched on her back <laughs> you know there's actually a um a character in mkx mortal kombat mm. 10 like i think they're called like ferator and they're they're meant to be this sort of inspired by Master Blaster from uh, uh, yeah, Mad from Max the, Three, yeah, 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 yeah. But they are it's essentially this big lumbering guy, and ha he has this little kid on his shoulder who has little claws, and they will do tag team attacks where the big brutish guy will just sort of bash your face in, mm -hmm. but occasionally just throw this kid who mm -hmm. lunges and stabs with claws and you can see why the comparison is coming to mind yeah 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 that that would totally fit <laughs> yeah she's saying yes please okay. this is definitely the sort of conversation that should be had loudly across multiple rooms yes yeah. <laughs> i wish i was long and i could just go whoop and then whoop and then there like yeah anyway like all of this is yeah. What's that? Yeah, no, uh, Sarah's big thumbs up. <laughs> I just love this, uh, like, quiet voice from the other. <laughs> <laughs> that I might keep the headphones off because uh, Sarah, like, is around. She, mm. like, 
would will occasionally chime in i think uh, once or twice because this is a crow heavy episode and i think that she might emphasis on you know heavy uh so Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so she she may have comments and uh, also i think it's just fun for um, everyone to be able to chime in but i don't want to um demand your attention especially if we're not talking about you <laughs> oh just talk I, about me it's yeah. fine i love I, when you talk about me <laughs> and like we didn't have you move all the way down there just to get you to guest on our podcast <laughs> like it was a big part of it but it yeah. wasn't just that. <laughs> that could have been about too <laughs> I We're mean, discussing uh, our, our very atypical vows when we eventually <laughs> pop the question. Yeah, whenever that happens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> there will be shenanigans and cahoots. Oh, <laughs> lovely. You were a guest on an interview, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, how do we, like, sort of. <laughs> I think that was how we met. Maybe that was how we met. Was that how we met? That was how we it, met. <laughs> it was how you met, yeah. And that continues to be something that really fucks with my head is that this like thing that we started like that got twinned with a pandemic project, even though we were planning it before the pandemic and we saw it through and we, you know, made a thing of it and how that resulted in you two meeting Maureen moving and all of that because I messaged a man on the internet and said, yeah, that sounds like it might be fun. Bit of fun. You know, not to put too fine a point on it, but, um, and we've talked about this in regards to how the podcast helped us get through the pandemic. Mm. I think there's a good argument to be made for the idea that between you and Maureen, this podcast has saved my life multiple times over. Aww. Aww. Uh, that, I'll share you. I, fine. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to... That's my line. So I know. Well. It's fine. It's cool. Um, I mean... <laughs> but just in terms of, like, I needed the podcast to get through 2020. I needed mm. to get through 2021. I think what we're doing together is going to be good for us in many ways that I can't yet know the end result of. Mm. And again. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, that's you know, I, there's going to be a lot of boring stuff along the way that's going to be good, too. You know, I I wish that I had some sort of witty or uh, disarming comment after that, but nah, just Shit's cute. That's adorable. And it's <laughs> adorbs. Speaking of adorable shit, we were out shopping earlier and we just visited this place uh, near where we live. Mm-hmm. And I we saw these and I decided that they had to be picked out. Uh, like not necessarily for myself, more for Sarah, but I thought you might approve, Maureen. Oh my god. Yeah, that would that's that that's that's a necessary buy. Yeah, that it, it really is. Like it was just kind of essential for the viewer at home. If this is something, or the listener at home, there's 
our viewing content is uh, pretty uh, monotone as thing these things go. But uh, for the listener at home, I just showed to Greg and Maureen a pair of hair clips that have these sort of Sarah. What's the what's what's this made of? Um, Acrylic. Enamel. Enamel. Yeah, they they are cats. They are like one is a sort of violet sort of like like a mother a pearl mother of pearl okay uh it's colorful i'm now realizing i should have prepared notes uh before presenting these (laughs) but point is they're colorful they're cat hair clips i can take a picture of and send them over but they are lovely and here they are again once more i mean i'm still waiting for a proper posed photo with you and your uh, that 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 backlit sign that you yes. specifically, so you need to <laughs> you need to take a picture of that so I can display it on our website. Absolutely, I will. Uh, you know what? I will probably hang that up over this weekend. Get the photo over to you and stop uh, procrastinating that. <laughs> I like the story. It hasn't. It hasn't become story of my life I've put aside the 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 part for like uh, beyond the wind door or an outtakes portion of a later episode to put out. Mm-hmm. You, sir, still owe me eating biscuits ASMR. <laughs> I can do that. Okay. I, mean, I need to leave you alone for a moment. <laughs> this was a joke Look. that we planted into the recording a couple times ago. Uh, when I was in the bathroom and he was trying to be all sexy. <laughs> I was, look, That's I just... I feel like I need look, to you alone. <laughs> it's, it's perfectly innocent, Maureen. I just, I just took, whipped out my hobnobs and then just munched on them in front of the microphone. It's perfectly, it's perfectly above board. And adult. No, I know <laughs> they're actually delicious. Oh yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> it, this sp- speaking of British euphemisms, um, <laughs> I don't think I'm prepared. Considering <laughs> considering how cute you are, Toby, I don't think I'm prepared for how filthy your mind can be. <laughs> okay. So this is this is not me exaggerating. We have quite literally. Uh, decided to pick up a pair of the most British-sounding desserts you could possibly get. We have uh, prepared for later. Sarah and I are going to chomp down on some spotted dick with custard. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Like, it's not a thing that the internet or, like, people made up. Like, this is a thing that exists. We have a pudding that we decided to call spotted dick. And at no point in the reviewing process did we decide to change that. We thought, yep, you know, it's been good for this long. It'll, like, it'll endure. Also, the, the, the with custard is what makes it art. Yes. Truly. Truly, truly. I mean, you can't, like, be, like, having it dry. That's just unpleasant for everybody. If the symptoms last for more than 48 hours, you should call your doctor. I'm learning so many things about you, Toby. <laughs> uh, I apologize to Greg, to Maureen, and to everyone who has inevitably heard this. Google it. Wait, don't Google it. Wait, no, do not, not Google that. 
<laughs> Maureen, what have you done? Technically, the podcast has been labeled. I put it in as explicit. <laughs> but I'm not sure that we've been this explicit in the history of recording this podcast. I mean, it's just food. I mean, really. Look, we have not done said anything. So Windows, uh, no, I do not want to do any updates. Why do you ask me these things when I'm in the middle of something? What's that? When I went to visit the Shaw's, it was like six, seven years ago. Uh-huh. I put so many jelly babies in my suitcase to bring back. <laughs> so many bags. I mean, yeah, like you visit a different country, you come back with a whole bunch of like candied children in your suitcase. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a good a good time is had by all. <laughs> Do you need to declare anything? <laughs> children and spotted dick. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the famous UK export. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Oh, this, no, oh, no. We we have gotten off the rails before we even left the station. Um, <laughs> this is a record. And that's it for this time around. I hope you enjoyed this 45 minutes of serious conversation, nonsense, and some shockingly explicit content. Through the Windor ASMR will have to wait for another time since Toby still hasn't sent me a clean recording of him chewing on biscuits. In the meantime, to close us out, here's something appropriately ridiculous. Yeah. A used pink bathrobe, a rare mean snow globe, a smurf. TV tray I bought on eBay My house is filled with this crap Shows up in bubble wrap Most every day What I bought on eBay liable to snipe you with two seconds left to go whoa got paypal or visa whatever will please ya as long as i've got the dough i'll buy your tchotchkes sell me your watch please i'll buy 